Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want to speak to you today on perhaps the most awkward, um, difficult subject matter for a pastor to speak on. You know, it's never easy to speak on human sexuality and marriage, but the subject of money is much, much, much more difficult. And so I want to preface this. We've come to a passage where Paul is going to ask a very simple question. Uh, Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? He's going to make the case that it is, in fact, the apostles' right, it's the pastor's right, it's those in full-time ministry to make their living from the ministry itself. And so it involves pastoral compensation. Now, I can tell you, as probably most of you know, uh, going into your boss and asking for a raise or talking to him about money is one of the most awkward things that you will do in your life. And so because the funds of the church come from the church, as you might imagine, this is a little bit awkward for a pastor to teach on. And so I beg your indulgence. But I believe underlying this is a subject that we need to hear. It's one that I am painfully aware that this mountain community, the mountain communities, are in desperate financial situations. I know better than probably all of you how many people are hurting on the mountain because they are in my office weeping. I know that. And so I beg your indulgence. And I ask for you to open your hearts and your minds, your ears, to the word of the Lord. For those of you who are visiting, you need to know that we teach chapter and verse And we have simply come to a passage where the subject is one that we have not taught on in this church for seven years. It has been seven years since I've taught a message whose context and the sum and substance of was money. So we don't do this every week. And we won't do this every week. But I do not believe that it was an accident that we've reached this place at this time. And so I want to first thank all of those who in this church faithfully, absolutely without question support this ministry, make it possible for us to meet the needs of so many. Uh, This is your church. This church is indebted for nothing but this building. That's it. Everything you see, this church owns. We have no debt beyond the building itself. Everything we do is provided for, not from Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, or some outside organization, or some other group. It's not done any other way than through the generous, consistent, and faithful giving of you as the body of Christ. Last month in this community, and as we have done for several years now, you all provided almost 300 full bags of groceries to needy people on this mountain just last month. Okay, That's 10 bags a day that go out of this church, largely to people who do not attend this church, but it is a way for us to show the love of God. 
You all do that. You do that. It's through your faithfulness. And so we come to a difficult subject at a difficult time. Our nation's a mess. I fear for our children. But I know what Scripture says. And I know that He blesses those who bless Him. And I know that His Word emphatically teaches on how we ought to respond with our financial resources to meet those needs. And I simply want to share those things with you. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with your finances, you are going to find that I will tell you the oddest thing on earth. And that is, if you don't want to struggle with your finances, try and outgive God. If you want your financial difficulties to be taken care of by God, then be faithful to God. Those things are hard to hear in a time such as we live in right now. But I would be an unfaithful shepherd to do anything other than to share them with you. And so I ask you to be patient. And I ask you to listen. And I ask you to hear the word of the Lord. As we talk about supporting the ministry. Would you pray with me? Father, you know my tears. God, you know the needs. And you know what you want to say to your people. And so, God, I pray that not one word would come out of my mouth, but that which is ordained of you. God, help me to be as personal with this as you wish and as corporate as is necessary. And, Father, we pray that your word would be magnified to your people so that we'd have enough to give to those who have need, that we'd be able to take care of our Jerusalem, Lord, that those that right now are depending on this church literally for their daily bread would have their needs met. Lord, we love you. I thank you for this body. Pray that you take your word down and instruct us with it. We bless you. We praise you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1 begins here in 1 Corinthians 9. And I want to look at just the first six verses, seven verses here, and then shift gears just a bit. For am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? I can look out at all of you and make these same claims. This church, as it exists, is a direct result of the man who stands before you, answering the call of God to this place, to this building, and to these people. Am I not an apostle to others? And doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. 
One of the great difficulties of all pastors is both recognizing that the Lord uses very frail and human vessels to do his work. I was privileged on Wednesday night to see three new saints come into the kingdom as they gave their lives to Christ. Many in this room, you've had your lives changed by being a part of this ministry. And I'm grateful for every second that the Lord has privileged me to be able to be your pastor. My defense to those who examine me is this. I didn't really have an answer for that guy last week who accosted me at the post office and called me a thief and a liar. That I was only here for money. Do we have no right to eat or drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife? As do also the other apostles. The brothers of our Lord and Cephas. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war at his own expense who plants a vineyard and doesn't eat of its fruit, who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock. Basically what Paul was saying is, don't I have a right to be compensated? Don't I have a right to make a living doing what it is that I do every day? As I shared with you, this is a hard passage to teach on. It's a tough thing to look you all in the eye and even read this. Because I know many of you are hurting. I know many of you are in tough financial straits. And so it begs a greater question. And I want to speak to this question this morning. How is it that God provides for the ministry of the church? How is it that the Lord meets those needs? How is it we have a building? How is it we pay our insurance? How is it we take care of our utilities and our missionaries and the food ministry and the staff here at the church? And just so you all know, any of you at any time are welcome to see the financials of this church, the full financials of this church. You can see how every cent is spent. All you need to do is call the church office, get a hold of one of the elders of the church, be happy for you to see where it is that the monies of this church go. How is it the Lord does those things? Thank you, brother. I'm hoping... That you will be encouraged and that you will be, you will be blessed. But I can guarantee you this. The Lord wants to do more. The Lord would have us have a greater impact, not a lesser impact. But the fact of the matter is, the elders of this church, 
of whom I am privileged to preside over. I want to make sure that we're being great stewards of the resources that God's given us. And we will not put you in financial difficulty. And so we will live within our means, whatever that is. And we'll make hard choices if we have to. How is it the Lord provides for that coffee that we drink on Sunday morning? It doesn't mysteriously appear. We don't have a coffee plantation here. How is it the building gets maintained and painted? And I want to share with you just a handful of things this morning. Some people often make the error of believing that tithing, which very simply means the giving of the first tenth of all of our increase, went out the window with the Old Testament. And I want to give you a biblical case that not only is that not true, it remains to this day the standard whereby those who are God's people are to provide for the needs of the church and for those that the church touches. It is that we are still actively engaged in doing the work of the ministry. And the only way that we can make sure that that happens from a financial sense is that we are faithful with what God has given us stewardship of. I draw your attention to the fact that in your Bible, there are a little over 2,300 verses that speak to the issue of either money directly or possessions. So I believe God is very understanding that we have a propensity to think about things pretty regularly. And I believe that Jesus himself gives us the reason why. They're in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 6, verses 19 and 21, and it says there, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, and he goes on to say, where moths can eat and rust can corrode. He said, rather, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, there is a direct correlation between what we do with our financial resources and our possessions and who we really worship. And it is amazing to me how many people believe that you can truly worship God with everything but your possessions and your money. That somehow God has said he doesn't any longer require the things that he's entrusted to us personally. When Jesus said that, I think it's important also for us to know that of the parables of the Lord, about three quarters of them have to do with possessions and or money, animals, livestock, coins, sheep, things that one could say were the possessions of those whom he was speaking to and about. Money is a common thread. It's necessary in our world. And in the church and in the ministry, it is no less necessary. The difference is this church is not a business. We don't have a product that we sell. We have a mission that we engage in. 
And that mission is a calling by the Lord for us to preach Christ, for us to seek and save the lost as he does, to meet the needs of widows and orphans, to care for the homeless, to spread the gospel around the world. We have been called to do those things. And family of God, it takes money. We can't do it without it. We, we can't pack up chickens in a box and send them to Africa. We send resources, often financial resources. Those missionaries that are there spreading the gospel in the far reaches of the earth, they need money, just like you do. Money itself, and I want to make sure you understand this, is neither evil nor good. It is a neutral thing. It's what we do with it that matters. And and so, what does the Lord's Word really say with this regard? The first thing I think you need to understand is that the biblical tithe, that tenth of the first fruit, predates the Jewish people. It is the instruction that was given and through the life of Abraham before there was a Jewish nation. So it's not attached to the law. It's what God has always asked of his people. If you remember in Genesis chapter 14, a strange king who happened to also be a high priest named Melchizedek. In verse 18 it says there of chapter 14 of Genesis. And then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out the bread, the wine, for he was the priest of the Most High God. So it's very obvious who he was. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then he gave him a tithe, or a tenth of all. And so... From Abraham, he was not in the promised land yet. He wasn't in Canaan. There were no Jewish people yet, per se, in the Jewish law. Predates that. And there, for the work of the ministry, a tenth was given unto Melchizedek. So God, from his perspective, before he ever established a church, before he established Judaism, said, here's what I want you to do. He goes on from there, for God has actually ordained the place that those treasures be collected. There in Exodus 23, and it says there in verse 19, For of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring it into the house of the Lord your God. And so there's a place that God wants to bring that tenth to. And what he wants to do with it is to provide for the ministry that he wants to accomplish. It's relatively simple. Those CDs that we give away, the website that we have up, none of those things are free. They all cost something. And through those things, we preach the gospel. And through those things, people are saved. Through those things, marriages are healed. Through those things, we minister to men singularly and to ladies singularly. We have missionaries around the world. We take care of the children and the snacks and the simple things. You see, the Lord's work is accomplished through the same means that everything else on this earth gets accomplished. It's accomplished through possessions and money. 
And so the Lord wants us to be a part of that. I would also remind you a third thing that Jesus himself taught on this issue very plainly. Again, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 3, it says this, and notice what it says. It says, but when you give. It doesn't say if you give. It says when you give. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret, and that your Father who sees in secret himself will reward you openly. The reason that we choose in this church, and people have asked, how come you don't take an offering? How come we don't pass collection plates? It's real simple. This room is quite small. And you folks are sitting very near one another. And we have felt as a board of elders and as the leadership of this church, a more secret way to do that is to simply put an agape box at the top of the stairs and trust God. What you put in there is between you and the Lord. It's not between me and you. And I haven't got a clue what anyone in this church gives. I do not know. I don't touch it. I don't count it. I don't know. The reason that we do that is so that you can freely give without feeling like you might impress the pastor, without me knowing whether you do or do not, so I wouldn't think either way of you. But Jesus said, when you give. And the reason he said that is because it's essential to the function of the church. How would Paul have been able to ask the church at Corinth if he did not have the right to be paid unless the church at Corinth had the money to pay him. Amen? It's pretty simple. He couldn't have even asked that question unless there were resources available for him to even ask for. This is how God has always provided for those needs. You see, when we give, that's what Jesus said. A fourth thing. It's a very simple principle. Everything you have, everything I have, and everything that's on this earth isn't yours anyway. It's God's. It's all His. And so if we can't live on 90% of what He has given us, we won't live on 120% of what He's given us. It's that simple. It says this in the 24th Psalm, For the earth is the Lord's and all that's in it, the world and those who dwell upon it are the Lord's. I'm just simply a steward of the things of God. And so are you. As the body of Christ, I don't actually own anything and neither do you. My house is God. My car is God's. My children are God's. My bank accounts are God's. Everything that I have, I would have nothing were it not for him. And so all he's simply doing is saying, when you give, you're allowing me to do the other things that I want to accomplish that take money. It's all mine anyway. A fifth thing, several passages that I want to share with you, a couple of them at least very decisively, but really three of them from the little book of Malachi, which, by the way, is the last book of the Old Testament. 
It was the last one written before the intertestamental period, which was roughly 400 years in which there were no books of the Old Testament written, and it was before the New Testament was written. So the very last instruction given to the church, the book of Malachi in chapter 3, this is the only principle that's mentioned anywhere in Scripture, and you need to hear this, where God has asked us to test him. He says, test me and see if these things are not so. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, and it says, Bring all the tithes, all of the tenths, all of the tenth part of the first fruit, into my storehouse, that there may be, notice this, food in my house, that the church would be able to meet the needs of those who have need. Family of God, once a month, this church sends usually four pickup trucks to Second Harvest Food Bank, and we come back with between two and three tons of food. It's what we do. I take this very literally. We as a board take this very literally, and you as a church provide for it very literally. We believe that God wants to feed those who are in need. that there may be food in my house. And notice what it says next. And now try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord says, test it, try it, do it, and see if I'm not faithful to my word. And I would just simply say, if you're struggling right now financially, the answer lies in your faithfulness to the Lord. It is in your faithfulness to the Lord that God is faithful. I'm not trying to scare anyone, not trying to manipulate anyone. I'm telling you that from the Gill house to your house, from God's word to you, if you're struggling, try the Lord in this. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out on you such a blessing that there is not enough room for you to receive it. The stage was set for this when God made the statement, speaking to Malachi, well, how have we robbed you, O Lord? We've robbed you in tithes and offerings. And so God is speaking to the Jewish people, saying, look, it's mine. It's not yours. But just so you don't miss what happens when you're faithful, try me in this and see if I will not pour out upon you a blessing that you cannot contain. In other words, say to the Lord, here's my first fruits, and see if he isn't faithful to pour out upon you a blessing. I can tell you from my house, God has blessed us beyond anything we could possibly imagine. And I will share with you very personally, I made more money when I was 20 years old than I make today, but I have never been so rich. And I believe that's a direct result of faithfulness unto the Lord. The Gill family tithes. I would never ask you to engage in something that I did not believe and do myself. 
And if you want to validate that, talk to any one of the elders of this church, and they are free to tell you whether I do or do not tithe. I can tell you God has blessed us. And I expect no less from him, because he said he would. And so he says, see that there will not be enough room to receive it. He goes on the very next verse, and I think this one may be more important than the last one. Notice what it says in verse 11. You ever wondered how many things God protects you from that you don't see? How many disasters that you don't go through because the Lord, how often those shoes last about two years longer, or those tires, or those brakes, or, you know, whatever? Scripture is actually very clear on this. Verse 11, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, not only will he pour out a blessing, but he says also the bad things that seem to happen to everybody else, I will hold the day. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a good financial recipe. Amen? If you came to me as a financial planner, there were a couple of things I would tell you you need to have. You need to have sufficient income, and then you need to keep your expenses in check. Amen? One of the great ways to keep your expenses in check is to make sure that you aren't being devoured. The Lord says, I will help you with that. A seventh thing that should be brought to our attention. Tithing needs to be a financial priority. It needs to be the first thing we do and not what we do with the leftovers. I can't tell you how many people I can't afford to give. Brothers and sisters, let me just be honest with you. You can't afford not to give. You can't afford it because you can't go it alone. And I can tell you right now, Talk to anyone who faithfully gives this way unto the Lord. They will recount story after story after story of blessing upon blessing and how God has stretched their finances and done crazy stuff with whatever they have in their possession because the Lord is true to his word. Test him. Exodus chapter 34 and verse 26, For you shall bring the choicest firstfruits of the soil to, your, to the house of the Lord your God. In other words, the very best of the very first stuff. When, when we say to God, because giving, and we're going to get to this in a moment, is an act of worship. When we say to God, Lord, I'm going to give first because I trust you. What do you think God's going to do with that? He's going to honor it. But if we wait around and go, well, you know, I don't know if God's going to be faithful this month. You know, I'm not sure he's actually going to meet my needs this month. Uh, You know, I don't know if I'll be able to. Then you're saying to God that you don't want him to pour out upon you the blessing you can't contain. It's like, go ahead, keep it all if you want. It still won't be enough, but you can keep it all. It should be a financial priority for us to give. I guarantee you the remaining 90% will go a whole bunch further than you thought.
An eighth thing, also found in Malachi 3. Frankly, not tithing is robbing God. Verse 8 says, Will a man rob God? And yet you have robbed me, says the Lord. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? And he goes on to tell us very plainly, In tithes and in offerings. God wants to continue to do the work of the church. And the work of the church is very multifaceted. It isn't just we gather here on Sunday or we gather here on Wednesday and we have all this wonderful technology and sound equipment, which, by the way, you all paid for. It's all purchased by tithes, offerings, and gifts. It didn't come from anywhere else. Those seats you're sitting in, they belong to this church. They're not rented. They didn't come from church.com. They're paid for with the faithful giving of the church. So if you don't like the seats you're sitting in, give more and tell us you want new seats. <laughs> if you want a bigger building, it's up to you. It's up to you. We don't have a financial plan but saying yes to God's plan. God's plan is he does it through you guys, through me. I'm part of this church too. I don't want to rob God, because I know this. It's all His anyway. And I would rather put into His hands those things which I would at least at a minimum want to see Him do, and then say, God, blow my mind. You know, sometimes when I look and, and I view the things in the world, and I go, Lord, what could we do if we just simply had the resources? I can't tell you what it's like to sit with people who are in desperate financial need and have to say, I wish we could help, but we can't. My heart is, I'd like to help everybody. But I can't do that alone, and neither can any of you. So we do it together. That's God's plan. We do something that we could not do alone because of God's commands to us to take care of the needs through this process. The ninth thing that I want to share with you, found in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 22. The tithe, in fact, already belongs to God. It's His already. And of all that God has given me, I will without fail allot a tenth part to him. It's already his. He actually could take it from us, but he wants us to give it as worship to him. He gives us the opportunity, in essence, to join him where he's working. It's already his. So what he's really doing is saying... Why don't you worship me with your finances? It's amazing to me how many people worship God with everything but finances. When we talk about time and talent and treasures, I want you to understand something. God wants all three. He doesn't want one or the other or one of the three. He wants your time. He wants your talents. And he wants your treasures. Not because he needs them, because they're an act of worship. He, he delights to hear the praises of his people. 
And when I say, God, you've given me these talents and I want you to use them for your glory, that's worship. God, you've given me all these hours in this day and I want to make sure that I worship you through giving that time to you so you can use it. And God, because everything I have came from you anyway, I would have nothing apart from you. Here's the monies that you've entrusted to me so that you can accomplish what you want to do on this earth. It's worship back to the Lord. A tenth thing. Both Jesus and Paul talked about this very thing. Matthew chapter 23 for Jesus, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, which we'll get to in a number of months. Paul made it very clear. He said, now concerning the collection for the saints, there in 1 Corinthians 16, as I've given orders to the church in Galatia, so you must also do on the first day of the week. Let each one of you lay something aside. He says, we're going to collect all that stuff on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, which is why we do what we do the way we do it. We just gather it. God's in charge of it. Pastor Jeff has no ability to write checks to himself. Pastor Jeff doesn't set his salary. Pastor Jeff has no ability to do anything other than to gather the board together and say, guys, what do you want to do? What do you believe the Lord's speaking to us? It's the Lord's. And what we try and do is faithfully do what God asks us to do. An eleventh thing. Tithing should be joyful. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six, it says this. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. It's the exact same exhortation that's found in Malachi. If you want God's blessings, make sure you're doing what God's asked you to do. If you don't want God's blessings, then be stingy with God. He who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully, and so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that always having all sufficiency in all things, you may have abundance unto good works. He said, so if you're stingy, you'll accomplish next to nothing. If you're joyful and generous you can accomplish great things for the kingdom. It's real simple. Having said all of that, not wanting to put a single person under bondage, not trying to chastise anybody, I don't have a clue. I do not have a clue what anybody in this church gives. No idea. If you want to verify that, ask any of the elders. But I can tell you this. I believe God wants us to do exceedingly and abundantly all of those things that he's asked us to do. I believe that he wants us to have a major impact and not a minor impact, not just in this community, which is our Jerusalem, but around the world. I would like to be able to, and as we will see next time when we gather together, 
to be able to take care of those that are in ministry in this church in a way that is very well-pleasing to the Lord. And if we all do what God's asked us to do, there will be abundance. If we do not do that, then we will limit the things that God can do through this church. It's that simple. And so I pray that if you're in that group that maybe has been struggling financially and you're looking around you and you're wondering, you know, why are these things thus and so, and you have never tested God in this area of worship, which is to give that tenth part, I encourage you to begin to do so. God's not mad at you, but you're not receiving the full blessings that God wants to give you. If you're doing that and you have experienced those things, please share that with other people. I take great joy in sharing the amazing things that God has done in Connie and I's life financially. As I've shared with some of you before, I mean, the things that God has done for us is just staggering. They're mind-boggling. For those who have been unbelievably faithful in this church, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because through it, we've been able to accomplish much. And we couldn't were it not for the thankfulness and gratefulness and blessedness of those saints who have given sacrificially. Paul asked a question. Shouldn't I be able to eat from ministry? Well, the answer to that, because it's a rhetorical question, of course he should. We want to be able to be generous as God is generous in all ways, shapes, and forms. Every guest teacher that comes is blessed financially. Every guest worship band that comes, blessed financially. Your worship pastor is blessed financially. Your high school pastor, your junior high pastor, blessed financially. Your children's ministry director, blessed financially. All those things come from the faithful giving of his people. And I pray that we will just simply be faithful to what God's called us to do. No more, no less. No pressure, no hype. If we do that, God only knows what we can do together. I want to pray for God's blessing upon this church and upon your homes. And as you pray, do what God tells you to do. Not what Jeff tells you to do. Do what God tells you to do. And I know he's going to bless you for it. And he'll meet every need we have. And we'll have abundance for those rainy days. And we'll accomplish things around the world that we could only dream of. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, as we have talked about this difficult subject this morning sought your face and sought your word on it, we pray. God, I pray. Oh, Lord, please, don't let anyone feel manipulated or pressured. God, I just pray that 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 word which you have spoken to us would just simply be alive. And, Lord, I know you'll show us the truth of it. Father, I pray for, again, those who have just been so faithful in this ministry. Lord, would you pour out upon them. Lord, I'm asking you to bless them beyond measure. 
Lord, to overflow their homes and their lives with your goodness and your blessings. And Father, I want to pray for those who've never tested you in this. Lord, those that think that, that somehow there's not enough. God, I would pray that you just convince and convict the hearts of each of us. Lord, in a truly biblical sense, to do what you've asked of us. Lord, so that we can accomplish much and so that your word can go forth and those who are in the mission field can be supported. God, the things that you do through this church can continue. We bless you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. You have been good, and you have blessed, and we thank you for those blessings. Lord, pour out upon us, we pray, a blessing that we cannot contain as we are faithful. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you. We ask all this in Christ's precious name. Amen.